0: Hey, everybody, this is Trev, and welcome to a special bonus episode of Inside Acting in which I sit down with the man himself, Mr. David H. Lawrence, the 17th, to talk about building a fun and profitable voiceover career. So, we sat down a little bit earlier this week on Facebook Live to have a conversation about all the various sort of components that go into building a voiceover career when it comes to what David calls the art, commerce, and science of voiceover. In other words, the storytelling technique, the business practices and the technology side of things. And we had this conversation now because David is in the midst of sort of kicking off the, the 2018 year of Vio to courses. If you're not familiar with the Vio to it's a 36 class curriculum that is designed to take you from square one in January, knowing virtually nothing about voiceover, all the way up through having a full time. Profitable voiceover career by December of that year. You don't need to do the classes in order. You can join the VioDagogo curriculum at any time and work through those modules uh, at your own pace. There's, again, 36 classes and they're broken up into three modules a piece, but it's really designed to start you off in January. And if you haven't had a chance to check out the free trainings that David has put together and has been offering as part of this launch, you can access everything I've just talked about at InsideActing.net slash VO. The free trainings, the ebook that he just made available that's completely free as well that helps you implement the things he's talking about in the trainings, as well as a pretty irresistible offer that he's making if you join the VO2GoGo curriculum. Uh, like right now, like this week, it's pretty awesome. He's thrown in a lot of cool bonus goodies, surprises, and, um, it's just going to be a lot of fun to, to, to go on this journey from January through December, uh, together, because as many of you guys know, I also have the pleasure and honor of facilitating the live in-person monthly workouts in Hollywood for Vioto Gogo. And oftentimes there are podcast listeners that join us. Grace, Ian, I'm talking to you guys. How's it going? See you in a few days so insideacting.net slash vo and if you want to hear a little bit more about building a voiceover career that's what this conversation that you're about to hear is all about so check it out and i will catch you briefly on the other side All right, is this officially working now? David H. Lawrence 17, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us about voiceover today. How are you? Whatever your middle initial is, all
1: got. What is your yeah. middle initial?
0: I, oh. can give you, I can give you a hint. It starts with an R and everybody loves it. Oh, Raymond. Wow. Yeah. Look at that. All right. Yeah. I didn't ask for your full middle
1: name because that's like, that gets into the territory of identity theft. Just the middle initial. So.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing well. I wanted to ask, before we roll into the the full sort of meat of this uh, chat, how are you with the fires and everything? Is everything treating you well up there?
1: You know, we had our big scare, our moment in the sun uh, in September. The fires were less than a mile from my house. And <clears throat> these, I, I I checked the California State fire map every so often, uh, maybe about eight miles away up in Sylmar. Um, but I haven't looked in the last half hour. And as you know, the fires are they can go in any direction quicker than you would ever imagine. Yeah. So uh, I think we're OK for now, but I'll be watching.
0: OK, good, good. I'm glad you're you're staying safe. You? There'll never be fires in, in Culver City because there's too much concrete, right? I certainly hope that's the case. Uh, yeah. A few friends, a few friends in West L.A. have had have been told to be ready to evacuate. And I was like, really? West L.A.? That's LA, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. But the amount of destruction that would have to occur for Culver City to evacuate would be, that'd be some end of day yeah. stuff right there. Uh, anyway, cool. So welcome. Thank you for, for taking the time. Uh, anybody who has listened to Inside Acting in the past, I don't know, three, four years has heard the, the moniker, vo2gogo.com. Uh, many of them have taken the free training that you offer, vo2gogo.com. But before we jump into all that, let's just start at the very beginning. What is VO, the number two, go-go? like, can you give us a brief rundown of what it is and why you created it?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a part of me that would like love to change the name. And then every time I do people like, no, it's great. You know? And I'm like, "Eh, I don't know. Cause you got to constantly say, uh, even though I have all of the, uh, homonym, uh, like if you went to V O T O G O G O, it would also get there and T W O and T O O. I bought all of the, you know, the various ways that people could possibly spell it. But VO to go, go came out of uh, a little business I was running when I first started doing demos for people called demos to Gogo. I remember that. Yeah. And so yeah. then I changed it to VO to go, go because it accompanied so much more. It, it encompassed so much more than just demos. Right. Uh, started teaching the class and stuff. In fact, um, I just today let go of those domains, those old domains. Wow. So snap them up, everybody. <laughs> Get them while they're hot. But yeah. is a place where you can learn how to become a successful and profitable and satisfied voiceover talent. Uh, everything from the art, the commerce, the science, you know, how to do voiceover, how to run your voiceover business, how to use the technology. It's all at Viotogogo.com. And what we're doing this week in particular and I don't know if you have the URL that you can put up for your your link uh, because I, w- I want you guys to do whatever you want to do. But you can always put that up in a, as a title. This is this is Trevor's first time doing uh,
0: BeLive.com. Isn't it awesome? There it is. There it is. The yeah. link's up. Yeah. You- this, is a, this is a cool service.
1: Yeah. So InsideActing.net slash VO. If you go there you're going to get free training called the VO Booking Blueprint. Every so often, I I think to myself, oh, this thing that I'm doing that's really working for me, it doesn't fit into one of the classes that we already have in the established curriculum, but it's really important, and I want to get it out there. So I put it together. I started with an ebook, which everybody's going to be able to download on Friday. So everybody who's been furiously scribbling notes – are going to be like, really, you could have told me there was an ebook. But I want you to I I, I wanted you to just, you know, make sure you you caught the 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 sort of culture around what I was sharing in these lessons. And I put together three video lessons they are each about a half an hour long. And they basically walk you through eight ways that you can maximize your booking rate. And some of them are, you know, uh, pretty obvious, even though. We don't uh, always remember the obvious, right? Once we get going in a particular uh, area and we get pretty good at it, we sometimes tend to forget about the basics. So uh, some of them are counterintuitive as well. Some of them are like, What? You want me to do what? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Let me try that. Yeah. Uh, it's called the VO Booking Blueprint. It's absolutely free, and you can get there from insideacting.net/slash VO.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Now, one thing that sort of comes up for me, uh, or it did come up for me until I had the the uh, fortune of actually going through the entire Gogo curriculum, and I've done it several times now, is the sort of idea that I'm an actor. I don't want to distract myself. I don't want to have to, you know, uh, dilute my energies, dilute my brand, that kind of thing. Uh, but there have been a lot of actors and specifically Katie Von Till, who we just had on the podcast, who talks about diversify, diversify, diversify. And she's really made it work for herself. So what, what do you say to actors who are like, yeah, VO is kind of interesting, but I, I'm an actor, man. I don't do voiceover. What do you say to them?
1: Yeah. So um, that's kind of insulting to voiceover actors because they're actors, too. And so are you, by the way, whether you're doing voiceover or not, you may be asked to do ADR work for a television show that you're working on or a film that you're in, or you may be asked to do one of those previously on L.A. Law. You know, you might you might want to, uh, wow, L.A. Law? Really? An 80s reference? <laughs> really? I wasn't going <laughs> to say anything. That. So sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> you know, previously on uh, Law & Order SVU, then at least I know that it's a current show. Um <laughs> You know, you may be asked to do those sorts of things or you may be asked to do uh, a web promo or you may be asked to do an interview. Um, the ability to do acting, to be an actor, whether on camera, on stage, in a commercial, on mic, in a studio, doing a video game, whatever it is, um, it's all part. And it's one of the classes that we teach. Trevor, by the way, is one of Viotta Gogo's instructors. And the class Mutual Muscles is all about the fact That the attitude of, oh, uh, voiceover is some separate, isolated, confounding, and impossible to break into silo of work that will do nothing but ruin the energy that I'm putting into my own. No, no, that's, whoa, whoa, time out. Don't think about it like that. Think about it as just one more way for you to express stories, express your storytelling skills, And one more way for you to make money. And the good news is when you get better at on-camera acting, your voiceover will get better. When you get better at voiceover, your on-camera acting will get better. You'll start to do things and realize things about your place in space, the kinetic sense of being an actor, that you can only hear when you're doing voiceover, but you'll start to use on camera. And the same vice versa. You'll start to use your body when you're doing voice work if you need to,
0: because it (laughs) makes sense to do so, right? Yeah. You know, I was going to say that is so true. And that is one of the sort of most pleasant surprises that I've experienced is is doing voiceover has made me a more confident and more diverse, uh, flexible actor, uh, you know, on, on stage, on camera, on film. It's been yeah. really unexpected and, and really wonderful. So, uh, I've been loving that, but I, for people who were like, okay, I might want to dip into this, uh, but it seems really overwhelming. I think Derek Sivers said, you know, what's obvious to you is amazing to somebody else. So there's a lot to soak up to me. It seems like common knowledge at this point, but I think back to when I was starting, uh, if there's an actor who's like brand new to this, what is the first thing that you might tell them to, to do?
1: Uh, well, the first thing I would say to do is have an open mind, and get as much good uh, information as you can. Um, I, you know, the, the, the idea of, hey, I'll try something that I've heard works, and if it doesn't work, well, then voiceover sucks. Forget that. Um, get information from people who know what they're talking about. Don't rely on, uh, you know, a grizzled, cynical actor who never was able to make it and says to you, oh, voiceover, voiceover. Uh, by the way, for those of you that are watching this, if you share this with your um, uh, with your uh, timeline, um, you'll let other people know about it. So as you're watching this, uh, go ahead and click the share button and the like button and things like that. Um, yeah, I think getting great information is best. And then from there, getting a really good amount of training in how to do your business, how to do the work, how to use the technology, what we provide at vo uh, But wherever you get it, get it because it's so much easier for you to do uh, a more a thorough job of doing things well when you're first starting off. I mean, you make mistakes, you can learn from your mistakes, and I love doing that actually. Um, but if you can get a faster start and a more deeper start from having the information you need, why not? So that's what I would say to do first. What I would say not to do first is look for an agent. You know, I got to get an agent Uh, or make your own demos, especially commercial demos and animation demos and stuff. That's not the goal. The goal is to get to the point where making a demo makes sense and then giving that demo to a potential
0: uh, agent who's going to want to know how do you make money for me? You know? yeah so w- uh, what is that what is the path to get, getting to the place where making a demo makes sense? what When would you say that is that is a, a time for an actor to do that? You know, it depends. I mean, some people are
1: ready right off the bat. Some people are ready because they've done a lot of work in acting. Maybe they've done some voiceover before, but they haven't kind of counted it in their head. um and other people need to learn from the ground up what to do. You know, they're on camera so they don't understand. Uh, how the world of voiceover works, or how certain categories of voiceover work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can vary. I mean, usually within a, a year or less, uh, you, you're ready to do a demo. But you know, that's one of the things that I take a lot of pride in when I work with clients is letting them know, "Hey, I think you're ready." Most people don't know. Once they start to train, they're like, "Oh, wow, I can see how I'm nowhere near being ready," and they don't know they're ready until somebody tells them who knows what they're talking about. Hmm. I see a lot of people who are like, yeah, I think I still have to study some more before I do my first demo. I'm like, okay, if you want to, but I think you're ready based Hmm. on the classwork that you're doing based on the workouts. I think you're ready. So it varies from person to person. So that the answer is it
0: depends. Okay. So at a certain point, a demo is a, is a thing to obviously get. And we've talked about this many times before in various circumstances, but commercial demos are really the first place to be putting your money in, in terms of demo creation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the reason for that, and by the way, we've got
1: uh, people attending. If you have questions about voiceover, go ahead and type them in.
0: Yeah. uh,
1: In the comments below this video and Trevor's able to grab them and put them up on screen and we'll answer them. I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear what questions you have, but it's a great question. Why the commercial demo first, And the reason is mostly about tradition. I mean, eventually it will go away, but for now and probably for the next decade, we're still working off the tradition of before the mid-early 2000s when making your demos in specific categories and having them in MP3s rather than having to go to a studio and and having tape and and all that stuff. In the old days, when I first started, uh, everybody had one demo. And that one demo was a commercial demo, and it was in a little white box, about five inches by five inches, with a, a reel of a five inch reel of of recording tape inside. Not a cassette, but an actual, you know. Uh, and then CDs became popular, and then they went away. Um, but the commercial demo. What? You are old. I am old. Uh, you know, the commercial demo is uh, the demo that everybody kind of had to deal with. You know, if they wanted to hire you for documentary narration or for doing a video, well, they weren't really video games then, but there were games and there was cartoons that now they call it animation. Then they called them cartoons. Um, they would have to kind of listen to your commercial demo and imagine what you would sound like if they gave you the job in this other category. But today, it's kind of like when you're using uh, your headshots on camera, you have a portfolio of demos that you uh, send out for certain types of jobs. So that's the first one to make. And then from there, we, you know, you can decide which direction you want to go, but you do want to have a portfolio of demos at some particular point. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So the commercial demo is really your, your catch all demo that you can send out for almost any job and it will sort of be universally acceptable. Yeah. Not ideal, but acceptable.
1: Yeah. Today, if you have to, yeah, that's good. But I really encourage you to approach your demo portfolio, the way you approach your headshot portfolio, and really start, to, and, and a lot of it you don't have to go to a producer for all the audiobook demos. Yeah, just do those at home. Uh, specialty narration, digital work—you know—you don't have to go to the expense. Although, in the case of commercials, uh, documentary narration, animation, and video games, IVR, and trailers and promos, it's a really good idea to go to a competent, professional, awesome demo producer for those, unless you already are world-class at creating that kind of content or you have a lot of that content already. If you've been doing promos for years, I don't need to tell you how to make a promo demo. You just put together stuff that you've done. But even the biggest promo uh, voices, Joe Cipriano, he adds stuff that he crafts because he really wants to present his brand in a way that he wants to present rather than the way CBS or Fox or NBC or whoever he's done work for presents their stuff on the air. Often the mix is very dense when on air compared to what you want for a demo where the voice is kind of buried along with all kinds of actualities and, and music and effects and all that stuff, which works well on live television. But when you're doing a demo, you want to hear the beautiful, gorgeous voice that you're going to be hiring. So you mix it differently. You mix the, the the voice up a little bit and the rest of everything down. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a whole bunch of strategies. You know, producers should know how to do that. Certainly we do demos. We won awards for them. Trevor makes the best animation and video game demos in the universe as far as I'm concerned. It's been just a joy to watch you grow as a demo producer, especially in that space where the writing is important, the production is important, the volume is important, the mix is important, the moment in time that you create is important, the contrast you're just you're
0: just nailing it all the way around. So, kudos to you, man. Oh, well, thank you. That's kind of you to say. It's it's been a fun process. Uh, speaking of animation <clears throat> and uh, and and characters and things like that, I think that's what a lot of people think of when they first think of voiceover, they think of cartoons automatically. Yep. Uh, but that is sort of notoriously one of the most difficult categories of voice work to break into. Um, yep. So there are a lot of people who are like, I want to be a Disney princess. How do I get that done? But there's yep. so many more different categories of voice work. So h- how many categories are there? And if somebody comes to you and they're like, I want to do video games, that's my dream. Wh- yep. What sort of trajectory might you lay out for them?
1: So video games, not as hard as um, animation. I mean, there's a lot of work in video games over and above network television or cable television or film animation. Uh, And remember that in animation, especially the high high level stuff, uh, you know, they go after the celebrities. So what I tell people is, if they want to be the next Disney princess, they got to become a celebrity first. You know, they got to become Kristen Bell, or they got to become, uh, you know, I I don't know, on the on the male side of things, you know, they got to become Zach Zach. uh, uh braff. Um, but the idea that uh, you could get video game work fairly quickly, le- they need a lot more voices than you think. When I did, uh, when I produced the audio for a game called saints row, I hired over 130 SAG after actors and each one of them in the contract can be asked to do up to three voices. And believe me, THQ and Volition, the studio and the publisher that, that put that game out, they were like, make sure that you have everybody, you know, doing multiple jobs because each one is a scale payment. And so we had to be, you know, good about the, the, the spreadsheet on that one. So there's a lot more work in that space. And I would say the same way that you develop for animation work and, and develop for uh, uh, cartoons and, and so on, you develop for uh, video games. And knowing the video game industry is also a big, huge plus. If you know about efforts, you know, the, uh, ah, well, you know, all that stuff, um, which can be really hard on your voice. Um, understanding how the business works and, and that sort of thing is, is crucial. Uh, but again, I would just encourage people to, to do that, especially if they live in an area where games are produced. If they live in Los Angeles and Seattle and New York and Chicago, uh, you know, it's not as L.A. New York centric as others, but a lot is done here. So.
0: Yeah. okay, Yeah. Right on. Uh, I kind of bunched cartoons and video games together because that that was in my demo mindset. Oftentimes those will appear on the same demo. uh, It's the same sort of. But, uh, yeah, they are separate categories and with different uh, demo that that would Trevor would create for you.
1: You can use that in multiple ways. You can use it for, uh, you know, uh, kids stuff on television. You can use it for yeah. animation. You can use it for video games. You can use it for uh, even sending off as a cartoon when the, the 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 commercial that you might be auditioning for is more cartoonish
0: than you would normally do. So yeah, 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 right on. So if someone comes to you and they're like. I want to work in, in this space doing a lot of fun character work. Um, but I also want to start, you know, I want this to be a rewarding journey to that place. Uh, if if that is a sort of place that you are, you eventually arrive at, but there's, you know, several years of work in between where you are now and, and that place, what, where do you recommend uh, voiceover actors might start to start, just start making money. That's the most important things. So you get that positive feedback and, Oh my God, I'm good at this. People can pay me for it. What do you yeah. say to it? Yeah, well,
1: today, and by the way, if you guys who are watching have questions, type them into the comments below the video and it'll show up for Trevor and he'll go through them and he'll find stuff. So uh, we want you to ask your questions. Uh, go ahead and do that. Um, so uh, I think the lowest hanging fruit today, as we record this in late 2017, December of 2017, is audiobooks. Audiobooks are just laying there waiting for you to pick them up and do them. Uh, at a site called ACX, which is Audible's, uh, you know, talent site. Um, Audiobooks in general are just blowing up. I mean, the last five years, the increase in audiobook awareness, and it's being aided and abetted by those high-profile podcasts, you know, like Serial and what's S23 and, you know, you, you name it, those are more audiobooks than anything else. Right? They last about eight hours. You know, there's maybe 10 or 15 episodes, whatever it is. They turn out to be serial audio. And in fact, Audible has started to create, they created a whole area on Audible called channels, which is basically to take advantage of these, you know, sort of sidewinding podcast deals. So there's a lot of work in that space union work, non
0: union work. That's where I would send people first. Okay. Right on. And as far as getting their own gear, Uh, there's a sort of myth out there. This was my belief before I met you. Uh, and by the way, meeting you, and I don't know if I've ever told you this to your face. And I'm not just saying this because we're recording, but meeting you changed my life. Uh, the tactics, the strategies, the approach you have to the work uh, has really just been like a, a next level experience for me. So I just—I I, want to thank you for that and acknowledge you for that. Um, thank you. And so much of it is is woven into uh, the VO2GoGo stuff. And since I have the pleasure of teaching it, uh, you know, in in part and parcel over the course of a year, I've gotten to revisit those principles over and over. And it's just been really cool to have them sink a little bit deeper every single time. Um, But when I first started, I was like, I'd love to explore voiceover. I don't have $10,000 to (laughs) create a studio. uh, And yet it's so unbelievably affordable these days to get into it. So where, where where do we start? So
1: I always tell people never, ever, when you're first starting off on anything, overspend or underspend. And knowing where the sweet spot is really the key, right? And we have a whole class on it in our curriculum on uh, what home equipment to get. Um, it's, it's not as expensive as you would think. Certainly not $10,000. Uh, I tell people if they spend more than $200, they'll have me to deal with. Because I'll tell you exactly what kind of mic to get, I'll tell you exactly what kind of stand to get to put it on. I'll tell you exactly what earbuds to get so that you have great sound and you can you can hear yourself while you're recording, which is essential, by the way. Um, and you'll if you spend more than two hundred dollars, it's because you didn't use my links to Amazon. Hmm. Uh, you know, a, a, on a good day, on a great day, Amazon charges one hundred and forty bucks for the the microphone that I recommend and. That Trevor is not using, he's in, 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 his, in his, that's his space right there. Trevor's using it, I'm using it, uh, and I use it not just for my auditions, but for my audiobook work. I've put out 25 audiobooks in the last five years or so using the Audio-Technica AT2020 USB+. And I did another one of these events earlier this week, and George Widom showed up. Do you know who George Widom is? I know the name. I'm
0: drawing a blank, there. A
1: really that. well-respected uh, uh, engineer, and uh, he does a lot of home studio work. And he and Dan oh, Leonard yes. do a show called The VO Body Shop, which is great, VOBS.tv. Yeah. Um, you know, the two things that I recommend people do is listen to inside acting and watch VO Body Shop. So George always was kind of critical of USB microphones, and for good reason, because they sucked. Right, People go out and they buy the Snowball or the Blue Yeti or God knows what they buy. There are USB microphones that you can't say are bad because they're not. And it all comes down to one thing, and that's the circuitry that they use inside the microphone to convert your voice to data. Most of them use a very cheap circuit so that they can charge $19 for a gaming headset that's also USB. So they don't spend a lot of money. You know, it's it's a very cheap circuit. Uh, But the more expensive ones and the ones that are the best, the Apogee iMic and the AT2020 USB and also the Roadie has a USB mic. Hmm. They use the same analog to digital uh, conversion circuit that's used in Pro Tools MBox or their R series or their their H D series. It it is excellent. And George actually came to the thing the other day that I was doing and he was just somebody making comments on the on the space. And he said, Yeah, you know, I gotta say the the USB plus, the AT twenty twenty USB plus sounds so much better than when i listen to other uh, versions of that mic and other usb mics and you know that's why the noise floor is lower the the quality uh, the quality is great it doesn't sound like a 140 dollar microphone it sounds like a 500 or 600 dollar microphone if there's if there's any way to put that in dollar amounts but yeah. what you don't need to do is you don't need to go out and spend 1000 2000 3000 4000 dollars on a Neumann U87 that is going to be a fantastic microphone, but not in your space ever, unless you've got an actual studio, real studio, not, you know, I threw up some blankets and I, you know, I covered myself and that's that, Uh, you know, you're going to be uh, in trouble because that microphone is so good that it picks up everything. Now, that doesn't mean that the AT2020 doesn't pick up everything, but its pattern is such that it rejects a lot of the background noise in the room. And so it becomes a much more forgiving microphone. So that's what I would recommend. Don't overspend and don't spend money on cheap-ass microphones because you're just getting started.
0: Yeah, yeah. This microphone is a workhorse. I have dropped it. I have recorded screaming music vocals on it. I have done intimate audio books, and it has not failed me. You know, knock on wood, not failed me yet. For 140 bucks, it's a steal.
1: Yeah, and the good news is, if it ever does, if you ever do mistreat it by you know using it to hammering nails into the stage to get that floorboard back down, um, it's not as expensive as a Neumann, you know, four thousand dollar microphone to replace. Yeah. I have three of them. I have one here in the studio. I have one that I take back and forth with me that's just sitting in a, a rollaway that I take back and forth with me when I do live events. And then I have one that's in my travel bag when I go on vacation or I go on on business trips. And it's, it, you know, you can afford to have a few of them when
0: you when you have something that inexpensive and that good. Yeah. Yeah, they're awesome. Now, uh, again, a quick reminder, anybody watching, you guys can type in questions and comments in the comment field and they'll pop up. And I we'll want to answer there. questions from you guys, please. Yeah. Uh but the question that's coming up for me that I'm sure a few of our viewers and listeners are thinking is how about recording space? People live in LA. A lot of the people that are watching and listening to this, it's noisy. Yeah. There are airplanes and dogs and co- What do you recommend? Yeah. Just just here's what I've got. Just quickly. Uh you can see behind me, I've got these foam panels on the uh the wall behind me. Behind that big backdrop, there's a moving blanket. Yeah. And I've got these these pads. I bought these online. I got 24 for 40 bucks. And you can't see it, but they're all around here. Yeah. Changing up, making differences makes a big difference. Uh, what do you recommend? So first
1: and foremost, I recommend that you uh, look for the quietest space in your home, whatever that is. And often, what that is is a walk-in closet. Now, when you walk in from, if you're in a normal room in your house and you walk into the bathroom, you hear something very different when you speak, when you make noise. Uh, you hear a lot of reverberation because there are a lot of hard, flat surfaces, tile, the bathtub, the glass from the shower that cause that reverberation. Sometimes people think, oh, that's great. I'll get that. Let's let's just record everything in the bathroom. No, don't do that. Even as a singer, you kind of want to control the amount of reverberation that you get. But the same thing happens in a different way when you walk into a walk-in closet you hear your voice differently it's deader it's flatter and that's what you want for voiceover you want to be able to record just the voice not the room around you and the other good thing about a walk-in closet is if you leave the clothes in there you're not only cutting down on the reverberation you're also insulating yourself a little bit against the outside noise that you'd be getting and if you really want to go crazy, you can get something called mass-loaded vinyl, which you can put on the walls. It's very, very heavy. It's 90 pounds a square foot. But what it does is it basically acts like a barrier. It's what most studios use when they can't use uh, air space. They don't have the, the space for it. The very best insulator that was ever used was water. Uh, there's a reverb chamber in Los Angeles somewhere. I don't remember where it was. It was in the basement, and it was actually a long... Uh, sort of um, tunnel that had a movable concrete thing at one end that they could make the reverb shorter by moving the, the, uh, the concrete wall, the barrier closer to the other end and around it was water. And that's like, you're never going to get through the water and the concrete and all that. You are going to get through an apartment wall near the 405. And so you sometimes you kind of have to pick your battles. You know, you have to pick uh, what time of day you do it. I mean, leaf blowers and lawnmowers and backup alarms, those beep, 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 those things uh, yeah. drive voiceover yeah. talent crazy. Yeah. But, you know, unless you want to put in, you know, you can go to the expense of putting in studio bricks.
0: But when you're first getting started, just go someplace quiet and pick a quiet time to do your work. Yeah. You know, for a long time, my space was my car. I took my laptop and this microphone down into my car. We have a, you know, a covered car park down below the, the unit here. And I would go yep. there between 9.30 and 10 at night, and I would record until the battery on my laptop died, which was only about 45 minutes at the time. And that's how I knocked out my first few audiobooks. And yep. it wasn't ideal. It got real hot, real fast, but uh, it worked. So it's possible to make it work if you're willing to sort of move your schedule around, I've found.
1: Yeah, And a way to kind of prove that to yourself is think about the last time you spoke to somebody who was on a cell phone and they were going from outside their car to opening the door, getting in the car and closing the, the, the car door. Yeah. You hear them differently on the phone once they're in the car. And that's because a car is designed to exclude road noise and rumble from the engine and you know, uh, traffic, uh, you know, it's designed to keep those sounds out. I mean, when you watch a television commercial for a luxury brand like Cadillac or, or, uh, you know, Lexus or whatever, uh, they always talk about how quiet the car is and you can use as a voiceover talent to your advantage. I mean, I tell people that when they're on the road, uh, to do their auditions, not in their hotel room, they can, if they want to,
0: but go down to the car and do it in the car, you know, because it'd be nice and quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Cheapest sound booth in town is what I always say. I mean, <laughs> assuming that you already own it, you know, you're yeah. not buying a car to record in. Uh, <laughs> so when it comes to so the hardware thing is, is we've covered that now. I'm curious about, I mean, I'm, I, I know these things. I, I, I came to the voice of a world and I had met you when I had a pretty sound, um, foundation in audio production with logic. I sort of trained and learned, uh, how to work with audio uh, using Logic Pro, which is- uh, you taught it. People don't know about this about you maybe, but you taught it for Apple, right? Yeah, yeah. I used to teach it and I learned it on the job, which is funny because it's a huge program there's so much to do. And and you say, when people say, what do I get? Do I need Pro Tools? And you said something really funny that sticks with me. You said, it's kind of like trying to light a candle with an atom bomb. which I think is perfect. So uh, obviously people who are watching this uh, and many people know that audacity is a great free piece of software, but is it, I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you for our listeners, is it powerful enough to do the kind of voiceover work we're talking about here to actually make a profitable business?
1: Oh, absolutely. Especially for voiceover people, because audacity is really good at recording and editing single tracks. And that's ninety-nine percent of what you're gonna be doing when you're auditioning or doing audiobook work or doing voice tracks for a project. You're just gonna be doing your voice on a track. Maybe you'll be adding some embellishments to it, some some sweetening. But for the most part, you're not doing what Pro Tools and Logic are really good at, which is multi-track automated mix downs with dozens of tracks of sound effects and music and And, uh, you know, you're locking the picture and all the things that Pro Tools and Logic are actually built for. Audacity can do those things, but not as easily or as as cleanly or as pretty as uh, Pro Tools or Logic or any of the other uh, apps that are out there. But what it does do really well is mono-recorded microphone voice tracks. It edits faster. If you want to cut something out of a track in Audacity, it's highlight, hit delete. That's it. You're done. With Pro Tools, and I don't, even, I don't know Logic, so I don't know if this is the case. But with with Pro Tools, if you delete something, you have to snap the two pieces of the region together, and you either have to consolidate the region or heal the the edit. There's a thing called healing, which basically removes the edit and makes it all one piece. It's like eight steps, whereas with Audacity, it's really easy. And we've developed a, a process for editing that takes advantage of how good audacity is at doing single voice work. And it's free. It's free. So, and it's great. It's like on version 2.1 point or 2.2.1 or something. And they haven't jumped versions the way a lot of software is. If if it was another piece of software, it'd be version 16. I mean, a long history. It's got a great development community. It's used all around the world. There are great groups online that you can join that will give you support. And that's what we have settled on to teach with. And sometimes, you know, I have to talk people down out of the trees because they're already gone, going, trying to get Pro Tools or going to try to get Logic. And I'm like, you, you don't need that. It's yeah. got a small footprint on your hard drive. Uh, yeah. So I, I just would, I, I would highly recommend that even if you already are using, and you don't want to use GarageBand because GarageBand is a constant, is a constant uh, trying to translate what GarageBand calls something into what the industry calls something, right? So a vocal yeah. track, or uh, an instrument, or you know, you just want to leave GarageBand for the people who want to make their, you know, at-home demos for singing. And Grab Audacity, it's awesome. It exports to MP three really easily. Uh when you add the lame encoder and that's free
0: too. So yeah. So I, I think yeah. that's Yeah, GarageBand is a resource hog, and I I trained on logic, and so I'm very familiar with the software, and I usually default to that, but every time I dip back into Audacity, I'm always just, and I learn a new keyboard shortcut, or I take another look at the plugins list, I'm like, holy crap, this is a powerful piece of software, and it's free, why am I not using this more often? Uh, and so I actually do with audiobook work specifically find myself defaulting more and more to using this great free piece of software to produce audiobooks. It's it's well, been have, though, since you teach it as well. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah. I mean, I know how to use it, but I, I like I said, I'm just comfortable with Logic. But it is pretty cool to see just how much you can get for free. You can get started right now yeah. without spending anything on the software. Yeah. Um, great. You and I are both fans of using laptops. Uh, do you have a specific computer that you recommend people check out? Or do they need uh, a $500 Windows machine or do they need a $3,000 Mac? Neither. Uh, I recommend a Mac,
1: but I don't recommend the Pro. Prover- I'm going to pour some water here because I love sipping water to stay hydrated. Um, the Mac that I am using right now as I'm doing this interview and the Mac that I use for all of my work, all of my work, period. Uh, when I teach, when I produce audiobooks. books. Um, the only thing that I wouldn't use this computer for, and I'll tell you what it is in just a second, is to do anything that is a resource hog, like rendering animation, because you'll be sitting there for days, right? Because it just doesn't have the horsepower that a really high-end computer would have. But it's the MacBook, not the MacBook Pro, not the MacBook Air, the MacBook Period. And the reason I recommend it is pretty simple. It doesn't have a fan. Nothing. Yeah. This MacBook vents heat away. You got to vent heat away from electronics. And this MacBook vents heat away with a chimney system, not a motor uh, driving blades making noise that may come on in the middle of what you're doing. It can't happen. So if you record in a space, Where your computer is part of your recording gear, then uh, you want to use a MacBook. And again, not the Air, not the Pro, just the MacBook. Yeah,
0: that's the the one with a – yeah, it's got a 13-inch screen, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a 13-inch screen, but it's a 2880 by, you know, whatever else, whatever the HD equivalent is. It's a Retina screen, and it's beautiful is beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's more than enough real estate to do anything that a
0: voiceover talent needs to do. And it has no fan. Did I mention it
1: doesn't have a fan?
0: (laughs) As we're recording this, my computer fan is going and I can hear it on the mic and the headphones. And I'm like, it doesn't happen when I do voiceover stuff, but doing this video thing, I'm like, wow, that's quite audible. The problem, it may, if you're in a room, like you said, it heats up pretty fast
1: when you're down in your car or whatever. You know, you don't know whether there's going to be something that happens, either a new resource is being accessed or your Wi-Fi is on or who knows what. Not having a fan guarantees you won't have this issue where, oh, my God, the last half of my track, which is an hour long, has the fan on underneath it. Where did it start? And you got to go find it, and then you got to sample the fan noise, and hopefully you know how to use noise reduction. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You just have to choose the right computer, and for me, that's the MacBook. And when I told Apple, uh, you know what a what a great thing that they've done, they're
0: like, "Wow, we had no idea." So, wow, okay. And just to Ryan be clear, asking a question, yeah, I see, I see Ryan's question, but I, I just before we jump off this laptop thing, just to be clear, you don't need that MacBook. It's the ideal, but you could get started with your Windows PC. Probably. Oh yeah, but I, well, the one thing I would say is don't use a netbook, and netbooks have kind
1: of fallen out of favor, but you want a real, you know, you want a real computer. But if you've got a $400, you know, uh, Windows 7 machine
0: sitting around, more than, more than adequate to do the work. Awesome. Okay, cool. Uh, Ryan, hey, man, how you doing? Long time no talk. Ryan asks, uh, if you have a fan on your laptop, is there a USB cable extension you would recommend for your microphone that would make it possible to put your computer further away while you record without losing sound quality?
1: Yeah, that's the other thing to do. Is if you do have a, a computer, and a lot of people have sort of tower computers that have very loud fans on them. Just put them outside the uh, the doorway in another room, and then yeah, any um, any Belkin cord, any Anchor cord, um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't spend a ton of money on the Apple branded extension cords because they can run into four figures. Um, I, they'll work because your microphone, the USB microphone is not a huge energy drain where you go, where you run into problems is if you have like hard drives hanging off of a USB hub and you've got, uh, you know, a, uh, you know, places where you've got uh, jump drives plugged in and you've got uh, an ethernet, you know, uh, you know, adapter for your wifi or whatever. Um, just a single 25 foot cord. You can go, uh, you know, uh, longer than that if you need to, because it isn't that much, uh, uh, signal degradation. So anyone will actually work. I like the Belkins, but yeah, that's, that's a great question. You can move your computer outside the space
0: in which you record and you can, you can take care of it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, that is the, the thing that comes up for me, Just visualizing that setup though, is that if you're doing a lot of like, you know, stop and go audiobook work, that'd be quite a, quite a labor of love to be walking back and forth to stop. Oh, watching, watch out. Let, me, let me finish the whole thing. You also want to get
1: uh, like, I love my, it's actually plugged in, but I'll unplug it. It's was charging. I love my Logitech Bluetooth keyboard. Oh God. Beautiful. And it's backlit and it's got, uh, you know, you want to get a, a, a Bluetooth keyboard and a Bluetooth mouse so that you're not having to go do anything on the computer. So, that you can do your stair step stuff, which is what we call our, our method, um, and uh, do it remotely from the computer. Uh, but the good news about this Logitech keyboard, it's the K810, I believe, or the, yeah, the A10K. Um, get the Mac version because it's got a command key rather than a Windows key, and it actually will work right. Um, but it has three function keys across the top, which allow you just with a tap of each one of those keys once you get it set up. To switch between your computer, your iPad, and your iPhone, and you can type on
0: all of them via Bluetooth. Wow. Yeah, Ooh. it's very cool. It's Like sixty dollars you- and you would. Would you have a separate screen set up as well? You yeah. uh, we again.
1: You can have a cable that goes to the screen. Yeah, sure, okay. absolutely.
0: Okay. And you don't. Have, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be
1: expensive. You can buy. I saw it was you know be the holiday season. I saw something at Fry's, a thirty-two inch monitor, nineteen twenty. Uh, a 32 inch monitor was like 58 bucks. What?
0: Yeah. I'm wrong right now. Sorry, everybody. This is over. by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's
1: ridiculous. Uh, yeah. I was listening to the radio the other day, and and uh, ultra 4K HD whatever. Like, I, I'll be getting one of those in a few years because none of my ATT UVerse stuff actually is 4K yet. Right. Um, they're only like
0: 500, 600 bucks for the smaller ones. It's crazy how low the prices are. It, so And how low they're going to be, man. It's going to be nuts two years from now. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, I, I know we're, we're getting tight on time, but I want to ask just a couple more questions. And one of them has been a big one for me. I'm a union talent, a uh, proud union member, proud member of Zagaftra. Uh, on the pay-to-play sites, though, specifically, there is a ton of non-union work. And those sites are really frustrating for me because so many of them go to the lowest bidder. There's a race to the bottom when it comes to, to pricing for the job. And, and with all this non-union work, it's like, why am I, can I even justify the membership price? Uh, sure. what, what, what say you to this dilemma?
1: So I say you do your homework, and I say that you prep for the idea that it's going to be panning for gold. Um, you know, the best thing to do is to combine your own efforts in getting work outside of an agent, outside of a uh, casting website, and then add to that mix um, the casting sites and the agent and so on and start to build that portfolio of opportunity. But if all you have right now is these casting sites and your union talent you have to know which jobs you can use a paymaster for, which jobs you can't use a paymaster for, and turn what the client the client doesn't usually care. If, if you're doing all the work and you're providing them with a finished product, they don't care whether you're union or non-union. As long as you fit within their budget, they're happy. Uh, you want to go with stuff that's non-residual based because none of that stuff can be converted from non-union to union. Uh, usually it's, um, uh, non-broadcast, uh, educational, uh, explainer videos, things like that, that have no residuals attached to them. IVR, another great, great thing to be able to do yeah. because you're providing the finished product. You're the producer. If you're doing a voice track and you're just sending it off to somebody to drop into an, a bigger production, then you're not the producer and you can't change it. So you can't accept it. You can't change it from non-union to union, and so you can't accept that work. But there's lots of work on on uh, Voice123 and Voices.com that people don't realize can be converted to union work if the budget is big enough and you're the producer. You're providing finished product. IVR is a great example. You're providing a finished IVR wave file or MP3 file. All the client has to do is put it on their system. They don't have to add any music to it. They don't have to embellish it in any way. They don't have to sweeten it. So you're the producer. So you can decide whether it's union or non-union. And all you have to do is make sure that it meets minimum union rates. And that's a great way. And we teach people how to do that in our big course. But um, I wanted to talk a little bit, if we can, in our closing minutes here about the free lessons. Yeah, absolutely. They are gold. Absolutely. Absolutely. I created these because I was doing things to make sure my booking rate stayed high um, that I thought, you know, I should really just share this with people. And so I put together these free video lessons that walk you through uh, these eight different techniques that I use to maximize my booking rate. Uh, I interview some of my clients about how they've done their work uh, in the video lesson that was released today, and you'll find these at insideacting.net/slash vo. Um, in, in the one today, I talk with a, uh, a voice talent who has booked 500 gigs yeah. in the last three years. Yeah. 500 gigs in the last three years. I was just blown away. I mean, I'm nowhere near that much and I work all the time. Right. So yeah, it was just great. And, and we talk about how she does it and how she decides what to audition for and how she does her slating and how she keeps her stuff updated and, and it's great. So
0: hope you like it. I found that so valuable, hearing how other people have done it, um, and, and you, not only that, but used the tools that, that you offer through the training, and then they've personalized it to their uh, personality type, and to their way of working, and to their work situation, and their schedule, and it's been so valuable to see how how that has been happening, so… If you guys haven't, if you're watching this or listening to this and you have not checked out those free videos, they're free. What do you? What's the hold up? What are you waiting for? Check it out, Insideacting.net slash VO. That's VO as in voiceover. Uh, wow. David, this has been awesome. Uh, we could talk for six more hours, but I know we're both busy men, so I'm going to let you go. Any closing thoughts or comments before we wrap this up?
1: Yeah, you know, first of all, the Inside Acting community, the podcast, the the Facebook group, just the, the you know, you got your 300, uh, 300th event, uh, 300th episode. Yeah. Uh, so proud of what you guys have done. And I'm so thrilled. If you don't know, I'm a sponsor of the show. And I love the podcast. You have no idea how effective you guys have been in helping people, uh, you know, get better, In all areas of acting, and I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, I, for my part, want to help you create a profitable and satisfying voiceover career and acting career. But in in
0: this case, it's a voiceover career that I really want to help you do. Awesome. Well, I think that uh, mission accomplished. Now it's just, uh, <laughs> it's just a matter of making sure the people who are looking for it uh, definitely connect with it. And I also want to say, if you're watching this and you're like, I'm still not sure about the voiceover thing, at least check out the videos that, that are up there right now because there's so much bleed over from voiceover to acting and vice versa. You could apply, you could almost one for one, erase the word voiceover, replace it with acting and still see a serious uh, benefit.
1: Well, the dirty little secret here is that Uh, I did voiceover for a long time before I did on camera acting, but I saw the parallels the moment I started training for it. And then some things that I learned in on camera acting in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, I'm like, Oh, this will work for voiceover. This is awesome. You know, it was like one of those great sort of like melding of, of two processes. So yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that brings us full circle. So David, thank you so much. Uh, again, insideacting.net slash VO, everybody check it out Insideacting.net slash
1: VO. You'll be able to leave comments below the video. Believe me, there's a million ways to get in touch with me, but do that, go there because we've worked really hard to put these, uh, these free lessons up and I want you to get the benefit from it.
0: Amen. Awesome. Thank you again, David. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that conversation that I had with David earlier this week. I guess at this point it would be last week uh, about building a voiceover business, voiceover career. And I asked him some of the questions that I get asked often. And we had people kind of come and go throughout the Facebook chat. And you heard us respond to a question there um, from one viewer. But uh, I wanted to make sure that it, it showed up in this podcast feed as well. So you had the opportunity to listen to it at your leisure you know, wherever you'd like to, whether you're driving or at the gym or whatever. So I hope it was valuable to you. I hope it was useful. I hope it answered some of your questions. And if you have any other questions on Facebook, if you go to my profile, you can actually see the uh, live video feed of this as well. It's in my timeline. Just scroll down a little bit. And my Facebook is just Trevor Alga, just facebook.com slash Trevor Alga. So again, I really hope you guys enjoyed this. Very honored to be able to bring this to you at this juncture in time. And we'll be back in your feed next week with the final episode of 2017, our 2017 annual retrospective. Have a great week.